Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Hormones, pregnancies, and postpartum. Today's episode is probably going to be the most listened to episode here at the Mom to Mom podcast. At least this is my best guess. And why? Because we are a group of women and moms speaking to a whole audience of women experiencing many of the topics we will chat about today. And we hope our discussion and our guests will help your everyday journey with hormones, pregnancy, and postpartum experiences. Let's face it, these are the topics we are all dealing with every single day while we are also being a mom, maybe a wife, working and managing, balancing and understanding our bodies and how God created us as women. That's sometimes a job in itself. The seasons of a woman's body with various symptoms we often leave unchecked, we may ignore or pass off as normal, often lead to discouragement, spiraling emotional and physical crashes and a shadow of loneliness, or waving those symptoms off as it's just part of life, those are the very reasons we're sharing this episode today. And sadly, over the decades of ignoring the natural responses of our bodies and the beauty of our creator and how he made us with the intricate design and purpose we are created for, we have struggled with a balance of healthy living and responses to our beautiful womanhood. Today, Jamie and I are chatting with Angie Tolbin, as Kate isn't able to be with us today. Angie is a friend and the founder and writer of Courageous Mom. She is a Christ follower, a wife, and a homeschooling mom of nine. She has been married to an amazing man named Isaac for almost 22 years. They launched CourageousParenting.com, which is a threefold ministry with a weekly podcast, which releases every Tuesday, a parenting mentor program and other resources. Angie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. We would love to have you share a little bit about your family journey as far as like pregnancy and hormones and postpartum with our listeners, because we know there's so many things about you and your family you could share with us today, but your journey and testimony in those areas will help our listeners understand the value and the hope in their own womanhood journey. So I know you have some things to share on that, and then we'll get into some of the specific topics and things we'd like to chat about today. Awesome. Well, so I got married 22 years ago and my husband and I got pregnant with our first baby in about eight weeks. So we got married in September, found out we were pregnant at Christmas time and being a first time mom, I had no idea what to expect and what was going on in my body. I didn't really have mentors in my life that were willing to speak truth and encouragement and share with me what I should expect. So I didn't know what I was experiencing was normal, if it was normal or not. And as far as my desire to like do things more naturally for my body while I was pregnant, I started experiencing things like hypermesis gravidarum and vomiting 14 times a day. And, and a lot of women will oftentimes look at me now and go, Whoa, you have nine kids pregnancy must be easy for you. And I just kind of chuckle inside because I'm like, Oh, you only knew. (laughs) Right. Yes. I get it. So starting out motherhood, 
I really had no idea what it meant to take care of my body and what the symptoms and signs my body would experience on a physiological level, what those were actually reflecting at like a chemical or a hormonal level. I didn't know what that meant as far as what I needed to do to replenish my body before having another baby. And so, you know, by the time our first baby was three years old, I was giving birth to our second baby. I found myself in a spiral of mastitis and all other kinds of things that come with postpartum. And it was really refining. It was a sanctifying journey as it is, I think for all of us, right. Where we're kind of learning as we go, even if we read a lot of books that are out there on pregnancy or postpartum, it's kind of like getting married where you can try to be ready, but until you're in it and you're learning it, mm-hmm. that's really the boot camp, right? I was really blessed. God brought some women into my life when I was pregnant with my first baby who were actually at my birth. And one of them was my midwife. And she was a huge mentor for me as far as kind of influencing me, but also helping me to see that there was a connection between what my body was experiencing and what I was thinking about, as well as like where I was at in my relationship with my husband, where I was at in relationships with other people, my diet, as well as where I'm at with God and just spiritually being fully submitted to him and exercising throughout my pregnancy Things like stress management, for example, how that impacts you when you're in birth and how that impacts you when you're in postpartum, right? Mm. I will forever be grateful for that influence in my life, even though it was very short-lived. And that kind of spurred me on to start getting more educated and learning about like how God designed our bodies to do this amazing thing called bringing forth life with his help. Like we get to partner with him in bringing forth life, right? That's an amazing Mm -hmm. one responsibility that can get people going, oh my gosh, this is crazy, right? I can't believe I get to do this. Mm -hmm. And it can be overwhelming for a lot of women, especially if they don't have the support system or they don't know what to expect, or they don't know how to be a mom, it can be very overwhelming. At the same time, it's very humbling that we get to partner with God, that he chose us to be our a mom. Like That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a need today. You see it all the time, memes on social media where women are saying, oh, women support women and things like that. And they'll say it with their words, but there's less of that with action I think if there was one thing that I could encourage young moms who they are in that overwhelm, or maybe they've had two or three kids and they still feel like I don't have the support and the knowledge. And I know something's not quite right with my body now, or I want to encourage them with an exhortation to let other people into their life, let older women into your life to teach you and be transparent and introspective and share those things. Don't hide them because the the reality is, is that everyone has walked this path and everyone has learned really hard lessons walking through motherhood. Right. 
Mm-hmm. So that would be my exhortation to younger women. My exhortation to older women is to make time mm-hmm. and not be so busy that you don't have time to invest in the younger moms and that your actions would mean more than your words, that you would be there in their home and their postpartum to help with their little kids or do their laundry or whatever you can to take some stress off so that they can really enjoy that season. That was something where there was more of an openness and less of a fear of judgmentalism. I think we would see a lot more healthy moms, like mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and physically too. So I am listening to this, thinking back in the days where I was having baby upon baby, I felt like for a while it was raining babies in my house. All of mine are less than two years apart with the uh, the closest being about 14 months But I didn't have another mother, an older woman speaking into me about how to heal my body, about how to prepare physically for that next one, to prepare emotionally and spiritually. And I'm just listening to you rattle off all these things. And I'm thinking back to maybe some of the postpartum that I kind of walked through and endured and wondering if, not that it was self-inflicted, but that could there have been some things I did or prepared or maybe didn't do that would have um, helped me avoid some of the physical trauma, some of the emotional trauma that I had having all those babies. I'm just mostly processing out loud here, but I'm, I'm certain that there's women listening to you that are feeling that too, or maybe approaching having a baby upon a baby upon a baby. I'm wondering if there's a resource or a book or something that you can point us to for, for those of us who just look around and we feel pretty singular and don't have that Titus II relationship built yet. Yeah, I think that's a great question, Jamie. And I actually think our guests, I think Angie can just hit that nail right on the head because um, Angie wrote a book, right, Angie? Yeah. Redeeming Childbirth. And I am just like, I love that book. And I'm not even sure if I had mentioned that to Jamie, but why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So, well, when I got pregnant with my first, I started looking for Christian books on pregnancy and childbirth. And back in 1999, there just wasn't a lot on the market. There just wasn't. And There was one that I found, and I think I read it probably six or seven times with my first five kids. And then by baby number three, my husband started saying, Angie, you're always journaling what you're experiencing, like your, your thoughts, your worries, your fears, and you're taking them to the Lord. Like you're sharing these things with me. Why don't you put them in a book for other women? I was really scared and I didn't really want to. And I thought, well, who would want to listen to me? I'm just a mom is all I thought, right? And who would I be that God would use me? So I I went on to have my fourth baby, which I mean, how many kids we have? We never set out to have nine. I just have to say that like we were actually done after two and our life and the way that God designed our unique family is a result of God's will for us. And I'm just really thankful that both my husband and I were in the same opinion and heart conviction to not make decisions unless we were in alignment and that we both really had a heart desire to just listen to God's will for our marriage and for our family. But that doesn't mean that how our family is designed is the same for everybody. And that being said, like that whole process was another aspect of this, realizing there are so many opinions out there that are worldly 
on every single aspect surrounding fertility, whether it's how many kids you have, how you have them, if you have them natural, if you don't, where you have your baby. There's so many topics that are controversial. I did not know that until I got pregnant with my first and was like looking for wisdom and realizing I have to filter this through the word of God. This is new agey and this is not biblical. And I would tell Isaac and share these things with him. And so I wrote a book, Redeeming Childbirth in 2012, which is still available. It's more of a book that I wrote as a mom who had had six babies already who wanted to mentor other women. Cause I was spending time mentoring women one-on-one and Isaac was like, okay, now you're speaking at mom's groups. Now you're meeting with women one-on-one. Can you write a book? So it's just easier. Like you could give these to people and it's going to be so much more than the 30 or 40 or 50 hours that you really need to spend with them. Mm-hmm. And so it's really like the heart side of all these issues. There's a chapter on fear. There's one on not making idols, which is a beautiful story that an older woman in my life healed through realizing that she had made an idol of natural childbirth, for example, and that she had had six home births. And then the seventh, she had to go and have an emergency cesarean and it was life-threatening situation for her. And, but realizing and like calling women to really lay all idols down and go, okay, so natural, like the desire to have a natural birth is a good desire. It's a good intention. Like it's that healthiest thing for us and our babies. We all know that, but have we made an idol out of that? Because God does not want any idols Mm -hmm. or have we made an idol out of doctors and that we aren't going to have worry because we're in a place where we feel safe. We need to be asking these hard questions of ourselves And saying, search my heart, oh God, so that we are at peace when we go into birth, right? Mm -hmm. I just share that with you guys so you can kind of get a taste of like what kind of topics are covered in Redeeming Childbirth. But it's everything from how God designed our bodies to be able to bring forth life and some really awesome proofs like talking about hormones and how they actually help to release oxytocin that lets your milk down when your baby is born and just all these different connections. Like God did that. He's the designer and he created our bodies to do this. And so it's not something that we have to like fear that it's not going to happen. We need to trust him that he will make things happen. And then if we experience hardships in that constantly going to him and saying, Lord, I want wisdom. What do you want me to learn through this? How can I glorify you and being humble enough to get help, which is part of the motherhood boot camp, right? That we need to always be in a humble posture going, I have blind spots and I need help. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, as far as postpartum goes in 2016, my husband and I actually created a postpartum course for women which is 16 teaching videos that range from five minutes to 45 minutes that teach on how to heal naturally from all kinds of things, whether that be mastitis or preventative for postpartum depression. It's a very powerful chock full of practical tips, if you will. It comes with a 45 page PDF download. That's a workbook. It's called the postpartum workbook Mm -hmm. that has a planning guide in it. So you can go on a date night. There's date night one sheets in there, and you can go on a date night with your husband and plan how, what your dream for postpartum is and talk to him about how you just watched a video that is encouraging you to plan to have six weeks at the least 
that is like, slow down. I'm not committing to a lot of things. I'm going to be a mom of a baby and I'm going to enjoy this time and I'm going to heal. What it does is it gets you to communicate with your spouse, but also urges you to communicate with your community, Mm -hmm. your family, so that there's like healthy expectations regarding your postpartum. Because a lot of women, they commit to too many things. And they get so run down trying to make other people happy. And then that's when like the mastitis hits and then it it can create a vicious cycle feeling like you never can catch up, right? Hey there, mama. I just want to jump in here for a second to tell you about a resource that will help you build independence and autonomy in your tweens and teens. For the past year, I've been sending my older ones out the door with a gab phone. Whether they're going out to do yard work for the neighbor down the street or heading to the library on their bike, They can just slip their phone into their pockets and give me peace of mind, knowing that I can get a hold of them when I need to. I've always been a bit hesitant to give my teens a cell phone because I didn't want them to have access to the internet, or more importantly, for the internet to have access to them. But that always seemed to pose a real problem when they had to babysit at someone else's house or when they wanted to go play basketball at the park. But not anymore. With the Gab phone, they can have the best of both worlds. A little bit of freedom with plenty of safeguards. A Gab phone looks and feels like a smartphone, but isn't connected to the internet in any way. A tween or teen can call, they can text, take pictures, and even listen to music, but that's it. For the most part, the phone acts just like an MP3 player with calling and texting capability. If you two are interested in purchasing a dumb phone that looks and feels like a smartphone for your kids, you can head to gabwireless.com and use coupon code mom to mom at checkout. That's gabwireless.com, mom to mom in all capital letters. I was just thinking through, you know, back when I had our first couple um, children and then compared to my first and my last, you know, we've had 10. It just makes me want to emphasize to our listeners how important it is to listen to the women who have walked this journey ahead, because listening to like your postpartum course wouldn't just be helpful for their marriage and expectations. Like I would totally go back and do over so many things I learned the hard way. And I think if anything comes out of this episode, it's to seek the Lord for wisdom and to find someone that is led a strong, good, healthy journey. And you see them having hope and victory in this now so that you can glean from them and not just reading every other book out there, because it is so valuable. Like the things we've learned in the years of hormones and fertility and pregnancy and breastfeeding and all those things. If I had a postpartum course like that, someone had shared with me, then I would have learned so much then. So, you know, for any mom listening, I would just encourage you to seek it out. It would have changed a whole lot of tears for me. Even if you are on your second or third baby. I mean, I feel right, like yeah. there's there's no baby number that we've yeah. arrived because every birth, every pregnancy is so different. And we can always glean wisdom from hearing other people's experiences for sure. Yeah. I, I wish, and I had no idea you had that available, Angie. I wish I would have thought that out because that would have saved me so much physical trauma, perhaps. Well, you know, part of it, I don't know if September knows this, but one of the reasons why I titled my book, Redeeming Childbirth was that 
I wanted to be transparent and honest so as not to exasperate the comparison trap that women struggle with Mm. in my journey and my story. And part of the redemption for me was sharing the things that I learned so that other people wouldn't have to walk through the hardship that I walked through. Mm -hmm. And that is really what we're doing in motherhood too. Like we want our kids to stand on our shoulders and to not have to struggle with the things that we struggled with. Right. So we changed the trajectory of our family legacies with the lifestyle decisions that we make along the way, whether it's eating more healthy or whatever, it should be the same desire as Titus two women, like Titus commands and calls older women to teach the younger women how to love their husbands and children and be busy in the home. And part of that, you can't love well, if you're not cared for yourself, like if you're empty on a spiritual level, first and foremost, but if you're empty and your body is failing you, it is hard to care for other kids. It's hard to care for your husband. If you're exhausted all the time, that's the reality. And I too remember the years when we had five kids, seven and under, and I was like, I think I was running on adrenaline for a long time. Mm -hmm. Coffee fumes for me. Totally. And it takes its toll if we aren't purposeful in taking time to take care of ourselves along the way. And I think so in the last five years, I've had five pregnancies and two losses. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've been learning most recently is how important it is to be taking care of yourself in between your pregnancies. And I've always said that, and I've always tried to, but even with what I was trying, it wasn't quite to the level that I've been doing the last three years. And a lot of that has come. And I hope that this is an encouragement to you guys. Mm -hmm. I if, if I could just say, yes, I'm a stay at home mom. Like if, when people ask me, well, Oh, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a stay at home mom. Mm-hmm. I'm a homeschool mom. I also happen to have been a doula for a while and I have been married for 22 years and I've done this and I've done that. And I'm, you know, but in reality, like anyone can do this. There's nothing special about Angie having written a book. I shared from what I learned over many years, over 12 years, because I wanted other people to grow. And I did research, but you can do research. You can find information too that helps. And so I think that passing the baton part of it is empowering women to take ownership over their health again, and that they actually have a choice. They have a choice. They can choose what birth plan they want to write. And then ultimately we give it to the Lord and we ask him for his will to be done. And we do the same with our postpartum plan, but that doesn't mean that we don't take action and trying to be prepared. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I've created some tools like the book and the postpartum course and the postpartum workshop. And we've had thousands of women go through it in the last five, six years. During COVID, we actually made it free for a week because at the time I was a postpartum doula. And some of the midwives that I was working with at births and I was going to home births, they had told me that they were told by the hospitals and the local government to limit their postpartum care to two weeks so that they weren't exposing newborn babies to COVID. And so the care was getting diminished. Mm. Like moms were not getting postpartum care to even six weeks postpartum. Mm. And so they were asking me to step in the gap and asking if they could send me names and numbers of moms that they were serving at their birth so that I could like follow up with them afterwards. But I didn't have relationship with them like they did after having gone through all of their prenatal appointments. 
I talked to Isaac and during that time we shared, we literally gave probably 400 free postpartum courses away in one week. Mm. That's how much of a need there was nationwide or even internationally that there just was women who needed help. They were scared to go to the doctors because they didn't want to get sick. They didn't have mentors in their life. They didn't have biblical community that was going to be walking beside them, bringing them meals. And this is not okay. This is something that I think we have all noticed, like this needs to change. Our lives need to slow down enough that we have time to be in each other's lives, to hear the stories, to say, Hey, you're really struggling with milk supply. Have you tried Moringa? I actually have some extra. Do you want to try it? You can have the rest of my bottle. Or have you tried fennel? Have you eaten fennel? Have you tried the essential oil? Like using all the different natural things that we have so that it can save them money and potentially having to go into a doctor's office. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can help them with the tools that we have Mm -hmm. learned over the years. But sometimes young moms are scared to ask, right? Or they think that they're the only Mm -hmm. one. And so they don't ask and they want so bad to to be viewed like as an equal with people that they think that somehow if they have a need, then all of a sudden they aren't. And that's just a lie from the enemy because we're all sisters. Mm -hmm. Well, let's start there, Angie, for the mom listening. What are some of the markers, maybe the signs and symptoms that she can look for for, you know, Hey, your hormones are not right here. They're unsteady. They're on shaky ground. Or maybe I know when I was going through some, what I would call postpartum depression with, after my fourth baby, it took somebody calling it out to me for me to even recognize that. Because when you are deep in a hole of darkness, you can't even, you know, see the signs and symptoms. So what are some of the markers that moms should be looking for there. For sure. So there's both physiological, mental, and emotional markers. Of course, I would say that on a physical level, obviously if a mom is getting sleep and she can't get enough sleep and she's constantly wanting more sleep, that fatigue is something to pay attention to for sure. That could actually be not only is it a, it's like we say it's a hormonal imbalance, but the reality is, is it could be a thyroid thing. It could be hyper, it could be hypothyroidism that is oftentimes triggered from pregnancy to postpartum. And it can actually even heal if you get pregnant again, which is crazy. And a lot of doctors won't tell people this, but I've experienced it personally in my own life. And I know a lot of other moms who have also experienced that as well. And I think that that's just a beautiful way that God's designed our body to bless us. So fatigue is a huge one. Postpartum hair loss is a very common thing that a lot of people experience, but it's actually a sign that we're missing a certain proteins in our body. Mm. When you have any kind of symptom that's not normal, whether it's losing your temper too quickly, being agitated, not wanting to go out, anxiety, stress. Some women even experience higher, um, well, issues with like OCD. Maybe they were never OCD before. And then all of a sudden they are more controlling, like they won't commit to going to an event unless they can count on certain things happening or certain amount of people being there or not being there. All of these things are symptoms of a deeper issue. This is where I think that it's so important that the people that are closest to us, namely our spouses, but also another good close friend it's important that we're communicating the different things that we're feeling Mm -hmm. to them. 
because they don't necessarily know that you're having a hot flash, which would be another symptom. And all of these things can actually be helped by different things. And for different people's bodies, you respond differently. That's the other thing that's super important with this Mm -hmm. too, which is why like, I'm thankful for medicine and for help, but I'll be honest. If you don't have a relationship with your doctor and they don't know you well, they're just going to go over like their top things that they normally see. They're just going to, oh, well, maybe we should put you on an antidepressant because I know that that's like a pop-up pill and it'll generally it'll fix the issue. It's not going to fix the issue. It's going to cover up the issue is what it's going to do. Instead, like going to a naturopathic doctor that's willing to maybe do some more tests, do blood tests, get to the root cause of what's happening, do research. Like I go through in the postpartum course, I go over what I call the spectrum of postpartum. There's actually a spectrum of it. It starts with stress and anxiety. It goes to depression and then psychosis. So there's like a whole level. And if you start having the symptoms of stress and then it starts, if you don't start taking care of things early on, that's where women get to the place where they're in postpartum depression and they're in even psychosis issues. And they do need to have the professional help because there was no health and help up in this category. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So there's also genetics, which plays a huge part in this as well as sleep and making sure that you're getting enough rest. But I'll just use proteins as one example, because there's literally like 10 I could rattle off besides, you know, exercise, drinking water that has a good electrolyte or sodium in it. That's going to help you as well. Just with breastfeeding, when women don't have success in breastfeeding postpartum, that can trigger issues as well. Right. Because we start feeling like a failure as a mom and, you know, and ultimately what it comes down to is being prepared as best as you can, not stressing out about it, but being wise, trying to get educated, Mm -hmm. understanding what you're going to need for postpartum. Here's a good example serotonin. Serotonin is a very important hormone that's in our body. And when we get low on it, it actually can affect our moods and be a cause for depression. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you have high serotonin foods in your diet, you're less likely to get sad. What are serotonin foods, eggs, nuts, salmon, tofu, cheese, things like that. Right. And so When you are choosing to have a diet and you know ahead of time and you're thinking, okay, so I'm going to have the baby and, you know, somewhere in the next three weeks, maybe I should go to the grocery store and make sure I have enough foods. And I start planning. I have some freezer meals that have some of these high serotonin foods in them. Oh, I have a friend that wants to do a meal train for me. She's asking me what my favorite foods are. I could say, hey, here's a list of foods that would be great to add in additionally or ask for as like an extra snack so that I'm making sure that I have enough serotonin in my system to help prevent postpartum depression. So that's just one small example, Mm -hmm. but a lot of women, again, this is knowledge that's not common knowledge, but takes a little bit of research or interest. And there are so many resources that are out there today. But again, the reason why we created the postpartum course was to have lists to make it easier for people. So like you can have the postpartum workbook digitally on your phone 
and you can scroll through it in the grocery store and go through the herbal section at your co-op or your natural grocers and get your sunflower lecithin and your happy ducks tincture by wish garden and, and have your moringa have whatever you need. So you don't get mastitis. So you have good support for lactation. I think that that's one of the things that, you know, we need more than anything. It's just practical teaching. And here are the tools. You can go get these and be prepared ahead of time. So you're not going out with a 104 fever, having mastitis, trying to find the sunflower lecithin. I didn't even know what that was till I had six kids. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> if you don't know what sunflower lecithin is, don't feel bad. <laughs> I completely agree with you in regards to you know, when you go in and you talk to your doctor, if you you don't have a great relationship with your doctor, or if your doctor is just prone to, you know, passing off the latest popular script. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I suffered with, you know, as I was nursing and my hormones were starting to get back to normal once a month, like clockwork, every time I ovulated, I would get horrible dizzy spells for about two days straight. And they would render me incapacitated. And I would go to my doctor with this information. And his response was, Oh, well, you're a mom of four or five kids. No wonder you're so tired. Just take a nap. And he didn't see or connect the dots that it was hormonally related. Later, I went to a naturopath and she says, Oh, well, no wonder you are having these dizzy spells, your iron levels and your B12 complex are, you know, bottomed out. This is what you need. And man, that that fixed it for me. And that, and that's obviously my story. We're not um, health professionals here. So definitely consult your doctor or your naturopath as you're hearing us give advice. I do want to just say too, you know, on in episode 21, we address some of these very things, not necessarily postpartum depression, but times where your emotions are spiraling and you feel anxious. And some of that is caused by some deficiencies in your vitamins, in your diet, in your health. And so don't rule those things out. Definitely listen to that episode. If you feel like any of those might be a sign or symptom that you are experiencing. I think that that's a great point. I I think, especially when it comes to vitamins, that's something that I've noticed has been a huge help for me just in my recent journey with Mm -hmm trying to get back healthy to where I feel like I can keep up with my older kids. I don't know, September, if you, or if Jamie, if you guys have experienced that, but this last baby, I gained more weight than I'd ever gained in my life. I'm in my forties and I was just inching close to 200 pounds and postpartum six weeks with Xander, I was 186 pounds. And I tend to hang on to fats like a nursing mama in a famine. That's just how I have always done things. My body will like shed weight once I wean the baby, but I usually will nurse them for, you know, 14 to 18 months or however long they want. And so then my son got engaged and I was like, I, oh, wow. Okay. Try finding the mother of the groom dress. That's breastfeeding friendly. (laughs) This is a mom of many, right? (laughs) Yes. Been there, done that. (laughs) So it just, I, I was in this place where I was having a hard time health wise, keeping up my energy level was low. I even found myself not wanting to go and do certain activities for example, like my husband would take our kids to go play spike ball at the beach, which is just a few minutes down the road. And I found myself getting overwhelmed by the thought of taking the baby down there. And that I was like, Oh, it's going to be so hot and exhausting. I'd rather just stay here and take a nap. It's so much easier. 
And it wasn't until I did that the third time to where Isaac sat down with me and he said, Hey, Ange, this is one of those things that you've warned me about in the past about when moms like, cause I was seven weeks postpartum and I had told him like for six weeks, it's okay if I'm resting and stuff. But if I start to like withdraw and lose interest in wanting to go do things, mm-hmm. that that's not me. I want to, I want you to confront me on it. And he did very gently confront me on it. And it wasn't like a poo pooing. It was like, Hey, are you okay? I'm really worried because this isn't normally like you. Mm-hmm. So that was a time for me to go, Oh, yeah. Okay. So maybe I should make myself get out with the baby and maybe I'll feel better. And I did. I literally just had to start listening to the advice that I've given to moms over and over and over again and help them to do as well by saying, Hey, I'll meet you at the park with the kids and I'll help you. Sometimes it's just getting out and seeing like, Oh, I can do this. And then you build a little bit more confidence and then you're less likely to hold back and not want to go do those things. But sometimes you need someone who lovingly is willing to say, Hey, I'll go with you or I'll, I can help. What do you need help with? Or would you like to go do that? And I'll take, I'll hold the baby or, and so there's just so many things that we as women can do to help one another to not get to that place. But when it comes to like the physical things, when I was looking at my weight loss journey, it wasn't just that I was getting winded that I didn't want to go to the beach. That was a thing, but it was also that I like physically was depleted of vitamins. And so my body was grabbing onto fats and was hanging onto them in an abnormal way. And so as soon as I started, like I went to my, my naturopath, I had them do a blood test. We were able to see if I was low in vitamin D, like literally all of the things you do a CBC count and going, Oh, okay. So I am a bit anemic and I am this and I am okay. I'm going to own that. And I'm going to take more supplements. I'm going to change up my diet. I'm going to do whatever is necessary. And that made a huge difference. And that's when I finally started losing a little bit of weight and it was a healthy way. It wasn't like, this is a sensitive topic for mom's postpartum because I don't want to ever push women to do things too early. If you know what I mean? Definitely. But at the same time, I think that a lot of women think that they can't get healthy until they stop having babies. <laughs> I've heard that from so many women. I've even thought that myself. Yeah. Like, well, if I can't do a detox while I'm breastfeeding and I can't do it while I'm pregnant and I'm getting pregnant again right after I have a baby, when am I ever going to take you see the cycle? Right. And so at some point we have to be willing to make the right choices and to start paying attention to portion size, having many smaller meals is a good thing to do when you're postpartum, right? Make sure you're getting in the right amount of calories for breastfeeding health, which is between 1900 to 2300. So paying attention to the portion size is a big deal, but making wise choices on the things that you're putting in. One of the things that is a huge help for moms for all the things that are related to proteins is having a good protein shake to take it 2 PM, 3 PM. It'll help you to not get that hangry feeling when you're trying to make dinner for all your kids. And that's like a crash time for moms. Like if you think about like the four to six o'clock time of day, like especially moms who have many other kids, that's like your crash and burn hours, right? When you need to be getting ready to make dinner for other people. So if you give yourself that time to have a good snack, like a smoothie or a protein shake, 
and you're putting in your vitamins, you add chlorophyll to it. If you're anemic, whatever it is, taking that 15 minutes to take care of yourself makes such a huge difference. And then your body won't necessarily do things like putting on extra weight. And then it's easier for you to move. Do you see how it's like one thing leads to another that leads to another that leads to another. And then when Mm -hmm. it's easier for you to move and you don't get as winded, you're less likely to say no to going to the beach, which is what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think from much personal experience with this, I think what happens is, you know, moms are busy. And we forget to take care of ourselves because we are busy taking care of our family. That's not even talking about an external busyness. It's just, we are busy. We're caregivers. And I think almost 90% of all the moms I know would do something for one of their children before they think to do something for themselves. And I think the second trap and difficult thing is that maybe two things we come at, we come to this place as women with hormone fluctuations, even when we're not pregnant or pregnancy and postpartum issues. And we've kind of owned this phrase. Well, this is just the way it is. Like, this is just the way it is. You know, I'm going to gain weight and I'll never be that person again. I'll never look a certain way. I'll never have that energy. I'll never be that young person. I'll never have a body again. And or I'll never feel good again. I'll never sleep again through the night. This is just the way it is. And sure, there is an element to motherhood that, that is just the way it is, but the suffering and the loneliness And the pain and the ups and downs don't have to be that way. And for me, that is the most important message I wanted to relay through this episode is it doesn't have to just be that way. The second thing is I think postpartum, because now, you know, my youngest is 10 and I'm over 50. I would totally want to speak to the mom who's now maybe in her latter years of childbearing or done because our whole audience is a broad spectrum And even those women who are in between having children, I want to talk about hormones real quickly because postpartum is so much like perimenopause or menopause because it's this huge hormone dump and then depletion and then up again. And speaking from very personal experience, we experience that in perimenopause and menopause and hormones can be such a silent suffering place for women. We're not aware of what's going on because it's it's a hormone. It's not like a pregnancy that's growing within us. We're not thinking about it. We're not aware. We just, we feel the ups and downs and we just think, wow, it's hard to be a woman. And I think what's happened in the culture is women begin to resent being women and they resent childbearing because it's to them suffering. And speaking from experience, just in this last year, so many horrific symptoms that I didn't recognize because I was always accustomed to being pregnant. When finally my husband says, you know, pulled me aside, just like you, Angie said, you know, I, there is definitely something off. Like, let's figure this out. You're just, you are not you. I'm like, I feel horrible. I feel like some, a stranger is in my body, you know, but I, I didn't even think about hormones. And so getting those checked, my doctor with a natural doctor, he just said, September, you are zero. Your hormones are zero. And within, I started this natural hormone replacement within four weeks, things leveled out, started losing weight. I felt mentally, physically stable. I had stopped going places just like a postpartum situation, but there's women like in my age demographic now who are done having children. And they say, Oh, I'm just feeling this. I'm not sleeping at night. I'm waking up every, every night at 3am. I guess I'm never going to sleep again. That's just the way it is. And I said, it doesn't have to be that way. 
So I think the awareness and having people around us who are sensitive to those things and like this podcast, being able to share with other women is the first step. And if you are listening and you're in that spot, you're exactly where I am. We, we do plan to address this in an upcoming episode because, you know, I don't know about you, but nobody ever told me I was going to sweat buckets at night when I'm in this pre-menopausal state. I wish that this was something that we women felt comfortable talking about to each other, but for whatever reason, it's quite taboo in our culture. And I don't know if it's just because, you know, we're crossing that great divide and we feel lesser than when, you know, these hormones start to shift. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll tackle that as we talk about that in an upcoming episode. Well, I certainly would listen to that episode because I agree with you guys. I think that this is a topic that needs to be talked about. I think that we are actually the first generation willing to, Mm. if you guys are willing to tackle that, I think we're the first. So we were the first generation that was willing to talk about our birth stories. If you think about our mothers and our grandmothers, it was not a topic that they talked about. They did not talk about their birth stories. Mm -hmm. Okay. They did not talk about breastfeeding struggles. They did not talk about or bottle feeding, right? Like those generations did things very differently than we did. There were some that did things similarly, but they didn't talk about it. And so I think that bringing awareness and being transparent and sharing our experiences is an education that we each need from each other, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think today was a great episode. I feel like we could talk for another couple hours and we can't because, you know, our listeners are moms and they're busy and they have things to do. But I know Angie, we've discussed with the other girls on the podcast, you coming back for another episode. And so we hope to connect again and share some more things on hormones and breastfeeding and areas that I know that our moms would love to listen to. So thank you for being with us. We're sure this conversation will encourage so many women listening in. And if you are a listener and you have found this episode to be helpful, please share with other women, with other moms, and really anyone in any other season of womanhood. We would love your review on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to our podcast. And you can find Angie and her husband at CourageousParenting.com. Thank you for joining us today. And a special takeaway for all of us. Let us listen to the mothers and the other women in our midst. Let's love them as Christ loved us. John 13, 34 walks this so clearly for us. Let us share the wisdom and healthy habits and ideas with others so we can restore the joy of womanhood to our bodies and to our lives as we balance so many other areas of life and caring for others. 